0: soccer weekly espnla 710 hello i am dave denholm hanging out with you on the home of world football in southern california espnla 710 we're the home of the black and gold so much to get to we've got a great giveaway coming up yes did i perk your ears up with that one another great money can't buy giveaway pertaining to lafc coming up later in the show stick around you won't want to miss that opportunity what a week it was in MLS as we are rounding it down to Decision Day. Coming up Sunday, you'll hear LAFC hosting Colorado Rapids right here on ESPNLA over at the bank. That's a 1 o'clock kickoff for that one. Everybody in MLS plays at 1 o'clock Pacific time, 4 o'clock Eastern. Everybody plays on the final day to wrap up Decision Day. It is going to be something to behold. It was something to behold for LAFC. They got four points on the week Remember, they had that uh, the the game on the weekend in Minnesota. They got the draw with Carlos Vela tying the record with Joseph Martinez. So much to play for still in this final game. LAFC have wrapped up the regular season supporter shield. They've got home field throughout the playoffs. But with the win, they break the record for points in a season as a team. And Carlos Vela, if he scores, can break that record. If he can hold off Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Ibra just two goals behind Vela now as he scored. In that loss, a disappointing, disgusting loss to Vancouver if you're a Galaxy fan. Wow. L.A. LA Galaxy were on their heels. They were trailing three times in that game and got goals to tie it up each time and then gave up a goal in the 93rd minute. (laughs) Oh, man. But it does point to something. Now, L.A. FC have only one win in, what, their last seven, but only one loss in that time, too. A lot of draws as the black and gold are wrapping up the regular season, still with everything to play for. But what this Galaxy game just reminds me and should remind everyone, not that you don't know it, but you keep, you know, LA, the Galaxy fall to third, or beg your pardon, fourth now in the West. But if they win, if the Galaxy win on Sunday in Houston, they are the second seed in the West. Just that simple. If... Minnesota and Seattle, neither one of those teams win. They play each other. So if they draw, it's going to be tough. But if the Galaxy win and Minnesota and Seattle draw, two, you know, Galaxy and one of those teams would be on 54 points. The Galaxy have more victories. Now, if Minnesota or Seattle win that game, and it's in Seattle, in the Emerald City, so if either team wins, they get the two seed. But if that's a draw, then the Galaxy of victory would give them the two seed. Now, the reason is, of course, the first tiebreaker is wins if you're ever head-to-head on points. And and not head-to-head wins, just overall. That is why the Galaxy. Guillermo Berescalotto all year has just been pushing forward. Win, win, win. Not draws. The Galaxy have the fewest draws in the league. And I like that. Just three ties. Because it's a team that knows they have defensive weaknesses. So they're going to push that to the limit. They're not going to try to play more defensively. Instead, they're going to try to outscore you. Now, it doesn't always work. Sometimes it backfires. But it has given them 16 wins, which, by the by, is second best in the West. And that would be the reason if they win another game and Minnesota and Seattle play to a draw on Sunday, the Galaxy would be the two seed. What have I been saying all along? LAFC and the Galaxy are the two best teams in MLS. On any given day, in the playoffs, in the format for the playoffs, those are the two best teams. Still, if the Galaxy end up fourth or fifth, they're playing each other. If the Galaxy are able to win that first game, then they meet up in a battle of L.A. Galaxy don't want that. I know everybody says, oh, they can be, of course, they haven't lost to LAFC. Galaxy don't want to play LAFC in the playoffs until it's the last moment possible. But LAFC should be champing at the bit to play the Galaxy in the postseason, and I'll tell you why. Because Guillermo Coloto and LA Galaxy don't know how to defend over 90 minutes. And I don't mean that to, to say, like, oh, they're awful. Well, sometimes they are. They don't want to defend over 90. They want to outscore you. And they want to open up the field, and that's fine. That is why the games against LAFC have been so crazy. That will be fine for the black and gold in the postseason, at home. These other teams know they can't hang with LAFC in any way, shape, or form, so they basically have been dumping 11 men behind the football at all times. With a rare exception. The Galaxy cannot do that with Zlatan. Not only would they not want to with a guy like his talents, they can't. He can't defend for more than about 10 minutes. And that's fine. It's the way they should play with a guy like that. But it actually is good for LAFC in the long run, in the postseason. This game needs to be the Western Conference Final, right? I mean, come on. that It absolutely should be the Western Conference Final. And the Galaxy now currently in third, or I beg your pardon, in fourth, but could get to third. If Minnesota or Seattle win, okay, one of them is going to be second. But if the Galaxy win, they cannot do any worse than third if the Galaxy win On Sunday. That's the worst they could be. Because Minnesota and Seattle, as I mentioned, play each other. So if the Galaxy win on Sunday, the worst they could be is third. They could get second. The rest of the playoff picture getting a little bit uh, clearer, but still very cloudy in the West. The East, we know the seven teams. It's just a matter of who's going to end up where in a few spots towards the middle. And it's second. Atlanta United and Philadelphia both have a shot for second place. Right now, Atlanta United is ahead on that goal difference, or I beg your the wins over Philly, but in Atlanta, you know, a little bit easier game, in fairness, has New England, who's already clinched a playoff spot, New England could actually get up to sixth, they're seventh now, I guess that, you know, six of one, half dozen in the other, but Atlanta, and Atlanta, if they beat New England, actually, they'll play each other again in the first round of the playoffs, so very interesting there, obviously, Bruce Arena gets at New England in the postseason, but it's going, to be, it's going to be fascinating stuff wrapping up this season. Carlos Vela, what, what more can be said? Now, again, Zlatan's within striking distance in theory because he's only two goals behind. I guess if Vela scored one and Zlatan went off for four or five goals, then he would win the scoring. But I am just so fascinated with LAFC coming into this game. The chance to win it, to go into the playoffs on a high with a long break, and to get Carlos Vela that record so much to play for. That is just phenomenal to me. It really is. I'm super excited for this Sunday game against the Colorado team that is still now granted they're hanging by their, their fingernails, but they're still alive. And the turnaround that Robin Fraser has brought to them, the former Galaxy defender. Everything to play for on Sunday. It's going to be fascinating. Going to talk with a guy who loves world football. From the Press Box in ESPN 103.9 Palm Springs, Matt McKay joins me next. Also, we have that Money Can't Buy LAFC giveaway. All that and so much more. Here on the Home of World Football in Southern California, it's ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. We roll on an hour each and every week here on the Home of World Football in Southern California, ESPN LA. We're also the Home of LAFC. Coming up on Sunday, it's Decision Day in MLS. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA as they take on Colorado Rapids. Rapids playing for everything. A chance to get into the postseason. Of course, LAFC have locked up the supporter shield, the home field advantage. Now they look to set the record for most points in the season. And let's see Carlos Vela break that goal-scoring record. Joining us now from the Press Box on ESPN 103.9 in Palm Springs, he is Matt McKay. Matt, I uh, chatted with you earlier uh last week and uh, now it's uh my turn to uh, host you and i really appreciate you taking the time buddy david it's an absolute pleasure man thanks for having me you bet matt uh first and foremost i love when southern californians can get together who love the beautiful game that's what this show is all about where did your love of soccer come from matt uh, Dave, I can trace it
1: all the way back to 1977 was a <laughs> high school senior sitting around at home with nothing to do it was clicking the tuner on the television and came across PBS. And suddenly there were some, some guys playing soccer with some funny names and horns were blowing and streamers were flying and flags were waving. And, uh, a, a Welshman was doing the commentary. And I said, you know what? I'm onto something right here. It was soccer made in Germany on yeah. PBS. And from there, um... It was, uh, the road to Wembley on ESPN. That's where I became a Tottenham Hotspur man way back then. And from there, Dave, you know, uh, we're sort of contemporaries from that point on. It was just, you know, wherever we could find soccer. I mean, yeah. every bit of Spanish I know in my life is because I've watched so much soccer on Spanish <laughs> or, or Spanish language television. So it, it was always a struggle and. It's almost wild now to see uh, how much availability there is now, not to mention the success of MLS.
0: Well, let me ask you that. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Matt. Now, Palm Springs, you never know which way it's going to go with this question. It's okay. Give me the honest answer. I can take it. (laughs) It's all right. LA Galaxy or LAFC? You know...
1: Dave, I'm going to say it's split right down the middle as best I can get my finger on the pulse. And, and for me, that is – I knew we would eventually get to this and might as well bring it up now. For me, the success that LAFC is having in its first year this season – I mean, forget about on the field. Look at the stands. Look who they've got doing their, their play-by-play on radio, for heaven's sake. Uh, look at the players they've got down on the pitch. Uh, it's been absolutely amazing. It's a success story. And, and, and frankly, I think it gives – like the folks in St. Louis – a whole bunch of, uh, of reasons to be optimistic, because if you can come in here and do it right, like LAFC has, you can shoot right to the top of the table.
0: Yeah, we saw that with and Atlanta.
1: Because of that, yeah. they've, 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 they've quickly snatched away audience share from the Galaxy, because you know, Galaxy's all we've had to this point, and LAFC gives everybody an option.
0: Well, I, you know, I don't know. I think you'll agree with me on this one, Matt. I've, I've said it. It's not a cop-out answer. There's plenty of room in Southern California for two great MLS franchises that battle. I mean, it it should be a win-win for both, really. One should not cost the other one anything in the long run, really.
1: I I agree, and in fact, we're we're all here to grow the fan base of soccer,
0: and so if we can just
1: bring more people on board, more LA Galaxy fans, more LAFC fans, and we just got more soccer fans in general, more people around pubs, more people standing around coolers talking about it, and more people listening to us.
0: Matt McKay from the Press Box, ESPN 103 in Palm Springs. I had a chance to uh, join him with he and his co-host last week to talk a little of a beautiful game. He's uh, kind enough to join me here on Soccer Weekly to do the same. Matt, as we look at the playoffs coming up for MLS, obviously LAFC has been dominant, maybe uh, hit a little bit of a rough patch in terms of drawing a lot of games late here. Teams are starting to realize that they're going to have to bunker in, and it makes it tough for the black and gold to break them down. But what I love about this league is you know, all deference to some other leagues around the world. You love Tottenham, and I, I get that. and all, But there's just – it could be anybody's game in terms of the playoffs, right? In LA, it's very difficult to win in MLS. The best record in the regular season quite often doesn't win the uh, MLS Cup. Oh. You know, I like that, actually. I really do. It, 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 I think it benefits teams to stay interested more so than just worrying about, well, we're not going to get relegated in other leagues. Well, two points
1: I'd like to make about that, Dave. One, you look at Portland. They basically have to win this weekend. I like their chance. They have to win this weekend just to get in, and you yeah. know what a good team they have. Okay, yep. that's one. Number two, and then I think this is another reason that we're seeing success on the MLS level is, you know, Dave, we, we, we've heard all the bad things about you know the travel and the minimum salaries and whatnot, but you know what? When I tune in to watch these matches on television, I see guys out there, I, I, when they're playing, I don't see any difference between the effort that they're given and guys that are getting paid. You know, seven figures a week over in Europe, Uh, the intensity is there and the competition level is there each and every match. You don't really see a lot of guys out there phoning it in. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think that is the greatest statement that you can make about the league just right off the bat. Hey, our players might not be the best in the world from top to bottom, but you know what you are going to get? You're going to get an honest 100% effort from your team and the team that's come into play.
0: We are talking with Matt McKay. Matt, you go back, like you said, late 70s like I do. I kind of got into the game a little later than that, although I've been around a while. Uh, <laughs> who's your all-time like favorite players? Are there guys who stand out for you that, that kind of still jump into your mind at times?
1: Uh, yeah, that's real easy. Uh, Glenn Hoddle. Uh, nice. number 10 for Tottenham. That Tottenham, was, uh, sure, yeah. When, when I first started watching Spurs, first of all, I'm predisposed to a yellow uniform, and Spurs were wearing a yellow uniform as their third kit that year. Yep. And when Glenn Hoddle had the ball on his feet, I think nowadays they probably put him in a, a center defensive midfield role, not because he was necessarily a defensive player, but because when he got the ball on his foot, he was a lot like Paul Gascoigne. He got the ball on his foot. He could survey the field, and he could literally kick the ball like a quarterback could throw the ball, Dave. You know what I'm saying? He would yeah. he would drop it right over the shoulder of Archibald or Crooks, and they were always right there to do something with it. They were an exciting team. They played with flair like the club uh, motto talks about, and uh, and I thought he embodied all of those things for Spurs. I don't think they've ever really recaptured, even last year, um, the the bit of magic they had with that bunch in 79 through probably 82. Great fun to watch them, like I said, whenever I could find them on TV.
0: Yeah, glory days, no doubt about it, Matt. Okay, now you're supposed to hate Arsenal and Chelsea. I Who do. I- who who who's the bitterest <laughs> sports hate? I call it sports hate, Matt. Right? We don't hate anybody really, but no, in, in sports hate terms, Matt, who do you who's the the team for spur? You know, like as a Spurs fan, that you just oh, can't abs- stand? absolutely,
1: absolutely Woolwich. I mean, there is no question about it. <laughs> uh, you, you, yeah, you have to have to beat Woolwich. Got to go but back a long way. way. Yeah, <laughs> well, you talked about. Being enough room for teams in two teams in Southern California, Dave, these teams are what 1.1 miles apart. Yep, so, yep. yeah, we, 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 we don't like the Chelsea,
0: really don't like
1: the West Ham, but Arsenal is, is far and away at the top of that list. Uh, there, uh, Spurs fans say two things. One, I check the standings every week to see where we are in relation to Arsenal. And two, I have two <laughs> favorite teams in the world, Tottenham and whoever's playing Arsenal
0: that week. Hey, man, I love to hear that. He is Matt McKay. (laughs) Check him out in Palm Springs on ESPN 103.9. The Press Box is his show. He is a diehard soccer fan, just like we love here on Soccer Weekly. Matt, thanks so much for joining us, brother. Really appreciate it. Dave, thank you, man. My pleasure. You bet. Matt McKay, again, check him out. 103.9 in Palm Springs. The Press Box is his show. We love talking the beautiful game with him. Now, speaking of love for the beautiful game, are you ready for your shot? An LAFC money-can't-buy experience coming up Sunday, the final regular season game as they take on Colorado at the bank. You're going to get two game tickets if you win, an autographed ball signed by the LAFC team, and you're going to kick some post-match penalties. You can kick the ball on the field just like Carlos Vela does. Right now, callers number 7 and 10 are both going to win that package. Eight seven 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 ten espn That's 877-710-ESPN. Get your tickets for this one at Ticketmaster.com. Again, call up right now, 877-710-ESPN. Callers number 7 and 10 are going to win this money-can't-buy experience from LAFC and ESPN LA. Stick around. There's so much more still to get to. We got Mark Rogandino in the Black and Gold Breakdown coming up next here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Top 10 soccer cities in the world. I've been working on that one, slaving over that to try to get right. Joining us now from uh, the uh, well, it's time now to talk to a guy who knows so much about the black and gold that we got to call this one the black and gold breakdown. Three, break it's the black and gold breakdown. breakdown. Break it down like this right now. He is the voice of the pregame show for LAFC here on ESPN LA. Also covers LAFC for YouTube TV. And so many other things going on in this man's life. Mark Rogandino, I'm amazed you have the time, Mark. I really appreciate it, buddy. Thanks.
2: With an introduction like that, Dave, how could I not make time? And especially when we're talking about the league's hottest team and a sensational sophomore season, I'm I'm always down to make an appearance here with you.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that. The league's hottest team, who did pick up a victory and a draw over the last week to clinch the supporter shield with the win... But maybe the league's hottest team, Mark, is the team we're playing on Sunday. Colorado Rapids on the verge of possibly somehow sneaking into the playoffs here. You know,
2: you hear it in sports across the board, Dave, when uh, you talk about making a change at the head coaching position. And a lot of times uh, there will be that immediate spark. Uh, Sometimes it can go the opposite direction, right? But in this case, bringing Robin Frazier in, uh, a guy who has had his own – a successful career as a player and of course as an assistant coach around the league. I think that change in the locker room really has paid dividends for them. And all of a sudden these guys are listening. It seems like, um, from a couple of people that I've spoken with within the Rapids organization, they're having a more, they're having more fun doing what they're doing. And consequently, all of a sudden now they get a taste of winning, but they see themselves move up the table really quickly. And that'll put a lot of smiles on people's faces too. And, and it gets contagious. I think that's why yeah. you would say, Uh, They are one of the hottest teams in MLS right now. And by the way, why I call LISC one of the hottest teams in the league is because I'm taking a comprehensive, big-picture view of a team that is possibly going to set the record for most points in a single season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the hottest teams over the first two years of their existence in any sport virtually, and it's been a a wild ride. They are the Supporter Shield champion, but Mark is right. they got a lot to play for, which I actually like, Mark, because realistically – They've had the West locked up for a long time. They knew they were going to be in the playoffs by about week three. You know, so, I mean, you could argue LAFC needs a little something to play for just in the sense they're going to have a long layoff here before the playoff game for the Black and Gold with that bye. I like the fact that they've got a big game on Sunday with so many records that can still fall.
2: I, I agree with you, David. I think uh where that became perfectly crystal clear was the fact of the lineup that Bob Bradley rolled out this past weekend against <laughs> Minnesota United. Easily in that game, I think you or I would have had he rolled out, maybe I don't, I, didn't, I was surprised he put out you know Rodriguez, Rossi, and Vela to all to all be there and play the minutes that they did. I thought that this could be a game where. Bob was thinking, yes, hey, we'd love to get that points mark, we'd love to score you know, a few goals and get close to that 98 Galaxy mark of 85 goals, but no one would blame him if he said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to pull back the reins a little bit, I'm going to rest a few guys, and then let them go out and really get a good game in our final home game of the year, our final game of the regular season, because then they're going to have more than two weeks off until they play that first playoff game in the conference semifinal. So I don't yeah. think anybody would have blamed him had he gone that route. But the fact that he didn't, and you could hear in some of his post-game comments and pre-game uh, comments coming into it that this team is hungry. This team wants to get after these these accolades, these historic marks. And he showed it with his lineup, and I expect the same come Sunday against Colorado. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. We're talking with Mark Rogandino. He, of course, part of the broadcast here on ESPN LA for LAFC and on YouTube TV, the TV home for LAFC here in the Los Angeles market. Mark, you mentioned a couple of these guys, I want to say. Brian Rodriguez uh, misses a couple of goals against you know, uh, against Minnesota by literally inches, hitting the post twice. I mean, he's looking far more dynamic, but he has yet to score, has yes to, yet to get an assist. This is not an easy league to come in off the jump. And the reason I say that is we see the talent. The guy is awesome. But it leads me to another question. Is Diego Rossi underrated by many people around the league?
2: Mm, great, great question.
0: Um, Sixteen you know what, goals think, and seven assists, and he scored from day one virtually with this team. You know what I mean? Like he's yes, just as young thought, as everybody else coming in too.
2: So I think, Dave, I think that he had to back it up with his second season in the league with what he's done here, and yeah. consequently, he was an all-star. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's part of the reason that you know he's getting recognition now and not maybe before this season. Yeah, he, you know, he what was it last offseason, season? I think he was like a. A double double guy, right? He was around ten, eleven goals, and then he had say, you know, seven, eight assists, right? So, mm-hmm. but this season, getting to sixteen goals is just tremendous, and uh, that's part of the reason, right? That there's rumblings outside of Major League Soccer that there might be some teams that want to want to grab him and see if they can take him overseas.
0: Yeah, and Mark, if we have to dig for something, and I'm not saying this is like such a bad thing or anything, but the the team has not shut out anybody in a while right? Defensively, they're still barely giving up a goal a game, so it's not like it's been horrific by any means. But why Why is that? You're a former goalkeeper. What are you seeing in that they're really not, they are really not—they haven't quite been able to lock teams down towards the end of the year?
2: Well, part of it, I think we would agree, is the style that LASC plays, right? Yep. I mean, they, they allow their outside backs most of the time in, in Jordan Harvey or, or Stephen Betashore or even recently Tristan Blackman, or El Mounir. They allow those guys to to get forward and join in. And that's what makes them so dangerous when they get from midfield and into the opponent's half is that they have better numbers. And so that leaves you a little bit exposed in those spaces in behind where those outside backs get an opportunity to attack. That would be one thing that I would point to. And the other thing that I would point to is, and it, it hurt, it pains me to say it is you just haven't the second half of the season. You haven't had solid goalkeeping. There's just no other way,
0: yeah,
2: no other way to put it. And, and, you know, I, I have plenty of love for both Tyler Miller and Pablo Cisniega, but both of them have just been slightly above average. They have not. You you see games with the guy that we're going to face this weekend, Tim Howard, right? Uh, this is a guy that can single-handedly keep you in a game and even win you a game, right? You could have 30% of the possession and have just maybe three chances on goal an entire game, but you put one of those away and you end up walking away winning the game. one nothing because Howard made – Eight, nine saves, including two or three of those in the bunch that are what I call super bonus saves, game-changing saves, almost as good as a goal at the other end. And they single-handedly help you win the game, and we yeah. haven't seen that from LAFC at that position. Well,
0: that's great stuff. As always, we love talking to him, Mark Rogandino, part of the broadcast for LAFC on both YouTube TV and here on ESPN LA. Rogues, thanks so much, buddy. We'll see you soon.
2: Always a pleasure, and let me say this, I cannot wait to see so many familiar faces and new faces, including yours, Dave, uh, out at Bank of California Stadium on Sunday. It's going to be a historic day, and I cannot wait to finish the
0: season on a high note. I'm so with him there. Mark Rogandino, thanks so much for taking the time, as always, part of the broadcast here on ESPN LA. Still to come here on Soccer Weekly, i got my top ten soccer cities in the world. You will not want to miss this list. Coming up next here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPNLA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPNLA 710, the home of LAFC and the home of world football in Southern California, ESPNLA. I am Dave Dunholm with you each and every week. Thank you so much for joining us. we got the Major League Baseball playoffs here on ESPNLA, so we're bopping around a little bit. We'll try to keep you informed. The way we can do that is on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. I always try to put up what's going on on this show on my Twitter, at TalkSoccer. You can, of course... Subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast at ESPN's Pod Center or at iTunes, etc., wherever you can find it. Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunham. Thanks so much. Mario, what's with the music here today? What's oh, going on? you the noticed, huh? The great know- producer of this show, Mario Rees. What's going
3: on? Yeah. Well, you know the new FIFA game just dropped, so we had to uh, check out the soundtrack and drop some of that into there the show go. today. So this is a major laser featuring uh, J Balvin and Alpha.
0: Uh, always thinking. Mario Rees is, uh, right. Got, got his fingers on the pulse of the music scene. Both in LA and in the world. So, uh, yeah, FIFA two, FIFA 20, I guess. Uh, yeah, so. You
3: know, when you have kids, you don't get a chance to play the game as no. much as you used to, but at least we can hear some of the music. That's right. Absolutely. The
0: show. It takes me back to my uh, first days of FIFA. Actually, I am fully convinced FIFA, the game, is one of the reasons soccer got so popular in America as quickly as it did. When that game exploded, it, you know, for sure. Absolutely. It's I mean, still I'm talking, doing
3: wonders on kids
0: nowadays. Yeah. And guys back in my day who quote unquote hated soccer for no reason, which was a thing. I know a lot of you kids don't understand that listening to the show. You can't even comprehend that. But in America, back when I was a kid, back in the dark ages, people just hated soccer. Yeah. For no reason. They didn't not that they didn't even care about. It, they hated it. For no good reason, it was just they were supposed to until that game kind of broke through on so many people.
3: You know who else became fans of soccer is uh, NBA players. NBA players love soccer players because they play the
0: game. Absolutely. So when they meet
3: these guys, they're like, whoa, you know.
0: That's 100% true. Mario, we'll talk to you a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Time now for the LA Care Injury Report. At LA Care, our mission has always been to provide quality, affordable health care coverage. To all Angelinos, For more information, visit LACare.org today. LA Care for all of L.A. Now, the LAFC injuries have been uh, well-documented. A couple of guys out for the rest of the season. Recently, Josh Pettis with the left MCL sprain. That's a big loss for LAFC. He's been uh, very solid up front. And it's getting more playing time for Adrian Pettis. But, and Pettis has done well. But Pettis, the first one, Josh... Who had uh, maybe saw more minutes earlier, I thought was having a pretty good season in terms of some limited minutes. Danilo Silva also out. He had a disc surgery, or I'm sorry, lumbar disc surgery uh, late September. He's out for the rest of the year as well. We wish them nothing but the best as they try to recover. For Colorado, the team that LAFC, of course, plays on Sunday, three players out. Courtney Ford had knee surgery a while back in June. He's been out for the season. Declan Wynn and Dylan Cerna are out as well. So, uh, relatively healthy, though, Colorado Rapids side, as they are, again, trying to battle. But Mario and I talking about, you know, FIFA and all that, the world's game, it, it's it been on my mind lately to come up with this list for the show, right? I always talk about L.A. as being one of the best soccer markets in the world. And it got me thinking, all right, well, let's put it out there then. And I got some help on Twitter from a few people. I just kind of threw it out there casually. Got a few good uh, recommendations. Some of them I already had on my list, which is cool. Some of them that got my my mind thinking and I had to arrange... I want to say this as I put together the top ten soccer cities in the world. And Mario, you can kind of uh, hang out with this one if you want. For sure, it was brutally hard because there's probably about a thousand cities that are tied for 11th and are right there. I mean, that's the beautiful game, right? It's everywhere, and there are so much there's so much passion all over the world. That's why I love soccer as much as I do. It's why I love the beautiful game because there's so many cities that could have made this list. This is just my personal opinion, okay? So, Mario, as I, as I come down, I, ha- I have to mention these honorable mention cities that didn't even make the top ten, all right? Okay. We're talking cities like Glasgow, Scotland, right, with Rangers and Celtic, and the city just goes crazy. Liverpool, Manchester, Moscow, Tokyo, Warsaw... Diehards in Warsaw, Poland, i got to tell you. It almost made the list. And these are in no particular order. Lisbon, Rio de Janeiro, and Sao Paulo in Brazil. I don't even have a Brazilian city in my top ten. Wow. Yeah, yeah. This, this list is definitely one of the hardest top ten lists you'll oh, ever have to make. Oh, my goodness. Now, I will, I will say this. I have the top five in order, but six through ten you could intermatch them, I thought. I couldn't even decide. These were all so close, including the the, the ones I just mentioned that barely didn't make it. But the, the top six through ten, again, this is in no order. Madrid, I think that's pretty, you know, explainable. They got Real, Atletico, oh, yeah. Rio, Vallecano, Hetafé. They got a lot of stuff going on in Madrid. Barcelona, Barca, Espanol, they play a lot of futsal there. They do a lot. I mean, there's a lot of football and soccer going on in Barcelona as well. It's a great scene. So those two Spanish cities do make the top ten. You can interchange them. I don't care where. Montevideo gets in from Uruguay, Mario, and I'll tell you why. I mean, to think about all the Uruguayan players, the greatness that has come from the country of Uruguay, and they only have they have like less than 4 million people. 2 million of them live right around the area of Montevideo. But get this, in their top flight, the Uruguayan top division, Mario, do you know how many teams are from Montevideo in their top flight? Well, how many teams are in the flight? Uh, what is it, eight, uh, 16. 16? Yes, 16. So it's a little smaller first division. Let's say six. 13! 13? Are from the same city. Oh. Because they have half the population there, but even in a city, it's still only about a two million, the size of, you know, I mean, that's a lot of people, so but...
3: So every game is a rivalry game.
0: 13, including the great Peñarol, Nacional, Defensor Sporting, I mean, the list goes on. 13 out of the 16. It's Derby week. It's one, Derby week next it's, week. Exactly. It's, when it's not Derby week is when it's a big week, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. That's how big. Montevideo has just a, a storied history. And, of course, Uruguay, such a small country in terms of population, but so powerful in world football. So they had to be on the list. Rome, definitely on the list. When I was over there, oh, my gosh, I'm a Roma guy. But, man, Lazio and Roma just do battle for that city and football, it just it just seeps out of the blood in uh, Italy and in Rome specifically. And L.A. did not quite top the crack the top uh, five, but there's no doubt in my mind the city of Los Angeles is a top ten soccer city just because of what goes on in our beautiful city. L.A.F.C. and the Galaxy certainly don't hurt, but all, there's minor you know lower level clubs all over the city there's nothing but football being played by and teams that are loved from all over the world because it's such a cosmopolitan city Mario there's Do you no think doubt LA can have one more team in the MLS Oh yeah, they could. 3 teams? Yeah, I think you could. I, I definitely think you could go to like an Orange County area yeah. even pushing it down south a little further. Um you could go out towards Riverside. I'm talking about LA the city being this, you know, this market, let's be honest, you know. I mean, and you could definitely have I think you could have more than one, but I don't think there'll ever be four or five teams in any one MLS city. I don't believe that's how we're going to be set up. So, But it definitely could be supported. I really believe that. LAFC and the Galaxy are huge and are getting more and more support every day, which is great. And again, like I said, the two can battle each other. But Mario, there's no reason why they both can't just be you know, powerhouses and flourish in a city like this. I agree. And oh, by the way. It's the Lakers, Dodgers, and Chivas as the three biggest teams in the city. So, I mean, come on. I mean, we have nothing but football here. Here's my top five. At number five, Casablanca. Now, if you are wondering what in the world are you doing grabbing a city from Morocco, go check out. Just go to YouTube and look up uh, Casablanca and the football that's played there by the two rival clubs, Widad and Raja, and it, you will your mind will be blown Okay, I've been, I've been uh, on this Casablanca football scene for a number of years. I promise you, it is one of the top five cities in the world for the beautiful game. Just, just leave it at that. Number four, Istanbul, Turkey. Now you're talking about clubs like Besiktas, Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, all in the same city. Massive clubs with massive support. The Turks love football. I mean, they are nuts when it comes to football and their fandom. They also, oh, by the way, have two other clubs that are pretty dang big, in Bashak Shahir and Kashin Pasha. I mean, it is a football-mad country, and that is a football-mad city that leads that country. Istanbul, Turkey is no doubt number four. Number three, the third top soccer city in the world for me is Mexico City. Without question, Cruz Azul, Pumas, Club America, one of the biggest clubs in the world in terms of fandom, a massive city. They got so much more football going on than just Liga MX. I mean, there is no doubt.
3: I love that you threw in Mexico City because oh. I was
0: wondering if they're going to make your top five. No question. Yes, I mean, for sure. In, in fact, any of these could be number one, really. But this is just my personal choice. Number two is London, England. There's no doubt about it. When you've got Wembley Stadium, you've got Arsenal, Tottenham, you know the the names, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, QPR, Fulham, West Ham, I mean, club after club after club, and they battle there week in and week out. London is, without question, a massive soccer city. To me, the capital of soccer in the world, the number one, and I don't think there's any dispute of this for me, Number 1 soccer city in the world according to me at Soccer Weekly, Buenos Aires, no doubt about it. And I honestly think all the other, te- you know, cities can be interchangeable, you have to have this Argentine city number 1. Boca, River, Racing, Independiente, San Lorenzo. The love of the game in Argentina is incomparable to anywhere else. They support their national team with, the, you know, fire and passion. And they support their local clubs, like, again, like no one else. Uh, Go watch some videos from San Lorenzo on YouTube. You will not do it. You'll go down a rabbit hole that will have you smiling all day. It is, in my estimation, the number one soccer city in the world. Again, Buenos Aires, London, Mexico City, Istanbul, Casablanca, Los Angeles, Rome, Montevideo, Barcelona, and Madrid in my top ten. And so many more. But let me know on Twitter, at TalkSoccer, your thoughts on that. Still to come, we've got... Uh, oh, a little fine segment we call stoppage time. Coming up next, ESPN LA seven ten. If you miss anything on the show, you can podcast it each and every week uh, here on Soccer Weekly over to ESPN Pod Center or iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. If you missed uh, the top ten soccer cities in the world list, I just did. You may want to listen to that. And uh, give me your thoughts on Twitter at Talk It is time now for our favorite segment. It's stoppage time. What time is it? It's
1: stoppage time. Yeah, stoppage time. It's stoppage
0: time. Right now. The great Mario Reeves is the producer of LAFC here on ESPN LA. He's the producer of this show, and he is the host of Stoppage Time. Hello, Mario. Hello,
3: Dave. Man, what a a sophomore season it's been for LAFC, the black and gold. And, of course, we are the home of the black and gold here on ESPN LA 710. But what a sophomore season for this guy, Carlos Vela, the captain. Rodriguez with Rossi
0: in the middle. Rodriguez towards the 18. Rodriguez cutting it inside. Rossi. Meets the deflection. Outline out wide, not a Vela. Vela into the area, trying to put it on his left foot. Curler. Goal! There it is! There it is! There it is!
1: Vela's 31st! He's tied Joseph Martinez at a wicked curler! LAFC one, Minnesota United
0: nil. Carlos Vela! So wanna ties the record right there yeah. with that
3: one. Great job on the play-by-play as well, Dave Denholm.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it was a great goal, Mario. We've seen that reminiscent of earlier in the year where he did a lot of damage with that left-footed curler. This was vintage Carlos Vela on yeah. this goal. Cutting it back from the right wing onto his left foot. Yeah, yes. the Very, very Arian Robin-like right. over the years, if you remember the great Dutch player who played a lot with Bayern Munich, among others. But, yeah, I mean, Vela's been ridiculous. I, I think he's one of the best players in the world right now. I really do. He is at that level. He's doing just the little things, Mario. Even on that play, I talked about it with some fans on Twitter. If you notice, the two defenders, when they close down, they don't want to foul him, right, right? obviously. You don't want to foul, give away the PK. Mm-hmm. So they, they, But they can't get in each other's way. They don't want to run into each other. It creates just enough space that Vela sees he can go right through them with the football. He doesn't need much. And the keeper will be a bit shielded, Yeah. Even if the keeper sees it, he's not going to get to it if he gets that crack. You know that enough crack to sh- put the ball through, and then it's all crack, right? Isn't that the word we use on exactly. the good stuff? Exactly. And he, he, the thing is, I can see that he's doing it right, and anybody can see it from. But it to do it physically is just ridiculous. You know, I mean, he's so smart in the way he plays, the little things he does. He drew a foul in like the first few minutes of the game. That was such a brilliant play, just to touch it away from the defender in a way that he knew he would be fouled in a good spot. And he does this time and time again, and there's just nothing defenders can do.
3: Yeah, and he doesn't need a direct line of sight. He doesn't need a direct line of space because he knows where the goal's at. He knows that he could curl it around. Exactly,
0: and the defenders don't know what to do with it time and again. It's so easy to say, well, you should be able to stop him. You know he's going on his left foot. It doesn't matter he gets into positions he puts himself in spaces that are perfect utterly perfect he has had a magical year look no matter what happens in the final game i hope he breaks the record of course i hope he wins you know the scoring thing but no matter what happens it has been a year for the ages mario i got to be honest coming into the season you remember yeah. i th- i thought this would be a tricky year for lafc overall i was dead wrong thankfully But I did, I thought, you know, you had such a good first year, the schedule looked very tough right from the get-go to start the second year, and you just wondered, like, okay, the second year, now you really got to prove something, because the first year you got a lot of leeway as an expansion team. They played magnificently, only losing one game in MLS play at home. Well, they've come out and done even better. And it's just been amazing, utterly amazing what the club has done. Mario. Yeah, Bob
3: has made those uh, corrections, those much-needed corrections. It looks like uh, he's got those all taken care of, and we'll see what happens on Sunday. There's more history to, uh, to write. Oh, yeah,
0: can win the, uh, the best record in the history of the league. If they get the full three points, they will have achieved that as well. Just utterly phenomenal. Another great, phenomenal show here. Thanks so much to Mario Reyes. Thanks so much for you for listening. We appreciate that. Thanks to LAFC and ESPN LA for the money-can't-buy LAFC package Keep on listening. Follow me on Twitter at Talk Soccer. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA seven ten.